Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Irene Efren Podcast with me, Irene Efren. I interview women around Southeast Asia to bring their unique stories and experiences to empower other women in this region. Thanks so much, Katie and Nikki, for joining me. I know it's, what, 9 a.m., right, in L.A., and yeah. it's 11 p.m. for me. I'm usually asleep uh, at this time, <laughs> and you two are usually, I don't know, what are you two usually doing at this time, 9 a.m., Saturday morning? Um, Just trudging around the house like a homeless person, you know, looking for food and trying <laughs> to get my kids to eat and behave and you know what about you nikki uh waking up early trying to make sure rosie eats well and just cleaning up the house because it's kind of the weekends are the only time i have to kind of do the laundry uh do the dishes kind of meal prep that sort of thing you know i still can't believe that well i can i can i can believe that katie has has logan now <laughs> because we hung out in in bali and you know and that was a big a big part of um, our conversations, but it's still, I have to get used to it. Okay, Nikki's also a mom now. Nikki's got Rosie now. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know, I'm old now. <laughs> old is a matter of, of the heart and of the mind, <laughs> and I guess of the body. <laughs> yeah, that's no, cool. maybe, maybe not. Okay, so for listeners of my podcast, thanks for tuning in to this very special episode. And we have two guests, Katie and Nikki. And I actually knew Katie from way back uh, when we went to Calvin College. That's like 10 years, 10 plus years ago, right, Katie? 2005. 2005, yeah, 2005 to 2009. And we were roommates for a long part of those four years. And, and that's how I got to meet Nikki as well, because I would visit Katie in LA. And Katie visited me several times in Indo, but Nikki, you've never been, have you? No, never. Okay, bucket list. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun to take everyone and come visit Bali and, you know, swim and dive and stuff together? Yeah. Yes. I want to do the scuba diving that I always see you do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so my history with Katie goes a long, long way, and she's one of my absolute best friends. And I'm just thrilled, really, really thrilled, thanks to the two of you, that you would want to speak on this subject about um, identities and mixed heritage, uh, multiracial backgrounds. Half Filipino, a quarter Korean, and then a quarter German. And how that came about was my, our grandma was a nurse, actually, during the Korean War. My grandfather was um, a soldier. They met that way and maybe love at first sight. And then they got married. And then, then you have my mom and my aunt, who's half Korean, half German. And they were just military brats. So they went around all over Europe at that time growing up, all over the East Coast in America. And then when my grandfather finally retired, they moved to Long Beach, California. Then my mom met my dad, who's um, 100% Filipino, and then got married. And then you have us as a product of their love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's fascinating. I completely forgot that your Korean grandma was a nurse during the war. 
Oh, yeah. He has a crazy history of being occupied by the Japanese in a concentration camp. And to this day, she can speak Japanese very clearly as well as Korean. It's, and, you know, with her memory kind of going, it's interesting how that stuck. Dates in the past. She can remember things about my grandpa and she remembers things about her time that she had at the Japanese occupation camp. Just out of curiosity, how old is your grandma now? 89, I think. She's right about to touch 90. Okay, okay. So you said they were military brats, your mom and, um, and your aunt. By the time they moved to Long Beach, California, how old were they? They were middle school, I think they said. About middle school, and, and they just stayed there, right? That's, that's where they live to this day. Yeah, my grandma still lives in that same house. Wow. <laughs> I remember your grandma. She's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's the queen of every household wherever she goes. <laughs> and she's still feisty. And she's still feisty. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear. How did your dad, uh, who's 100% Filipino, end up in Long Beach? Oh, that's a good question, too. At that time... He signed up for the Navy. They were granting citizenship. Somehow they were give, they were extending it to family as well if they serve. So my dad served, how many years, Nikki? Eight years in the Navy? Probably. like Yeah, six to eight years in the Navy. And he was able to bring my grandparents over, my... Um, his sisters. His sisters and all their husbands and stuff. So he brought over his whole big family eventually. Yeah, because uh, my cousins were born in the Philippines and they came over when they were toddler age, I remember they were saying. And there he met your mom. At the post office. <laughs> At the post office. The United States post office is where they met. Oh, okay. Being half Filipino and a fourth Korean and a fourth German, how did this multiracial background affect your sense of identity growing up? You know, I think at least in our Southern California culture, everywhere that we met that wasn't our private school that was actually predominantly white, it felt normal. We only felt out of place when we were like at our school, a private Christian school. It was predominantly white at that time. And, and then when we would go to family parties is kind of when I felt most uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we go to the Korean parties and, you know, everyone's nice there, but they're all speaking Korean and, um, everyone there is like, oh yeah, you look very Filipino and you know, this and that <laughs> you're olive skin and you know, whatever. And then we go to the Filipino side and you know, they're all nice and everything too. And they're mostly speaking Tagalog and my mom and dad didn't teach us Korean or Tagalog. Yeah. So I think that's the only time we kind of felt out of place was we don't have that typical look from any of the cultures. For me, in, in regards to family parties, I always felt out of place because I would, so, so for example, um, it was my grandma's, I think it was like her 80th birthday party. So the whole Korean side came over. And for the most part, I just talked with mm -hmm. Katie and my brother, Robbie, because 
everyone else, you know, they were speaking Korean. They would probably come over and maybe say hi. They didn't really know who we were. So like the entire party, we didn't really mingle with the Korean side as much. We kind of just stayed in the same spot. It was kind of uncomfortable because we didn't know what was going on a lot of the time since they spoke Korean, the majority of the party. I do distinctly remember because I'm the darker and the chinkier of my brother and sister. <laughs> Even though we have 100% full blood, sometimes I would just remember hearing things like, wow, you're so dark. But it wasn't like, oh, you know, like if we go to my white friends, you know, no offense to anyone, but they're like, oh my gosh, you're so dark. But then if you go to my Korean side, they're like, oh, you're so you're so dark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was a competitive swimmer at that time. So, you know, no matter how much SPF I put on. Well, that just goes to show you beauty is like it really is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so have any of you um, ever made a trip like to the Philippines or maybe even to Korea for that matter? Yes, yeah, so I did go to Korea um, during the summertime for uh, just to teach English there for the summer. So I, I was able to teach some third graders at a summer camp there for a couple of weeks. Honestly, that was like my only time I can travel during college. It was my sophomore year at my college I went to in Riverside, California, and I wanted to travel just like Katie. Katie was very, you know, like, she went all over the place. <laughs> so I wanted to be like that. And my parents were very, they had the, they had the leash around me very short because I was the baby of the family. They wanted me close. They didn't want me to, um, you know, go to school outside of the state. So mm -hmm. I saw it as an opportunity to kind of, you know, get a little freedom. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I did go to school to become um, a teacher. So I figured this would also be good experience as well. And then mm -hmm. another reason is because when I heard it was Korea, I was like, hey, I'm Korean. Maybe I'll, you know, I can see where my grandma came from, experience that and just, yeah, see the land. Did you get to do that? Yes, the last week we were there. So we were there a total of um, four weeks. And the last week they allowed us to go to the capital and they like paid for hotels. And we literally had the freedom to explore. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really nice. Mm -hmm. So, but you've never, both of you, you've never been to the Philippines. Is that correct? Yeah. And you know what's <laughs> funny? Like when in college, you know, when we went to Indonesia together, I went to the Dominican Republic for a month too. And I would ask my dad like, hey, we should like go to the Philippines because all my friends are saying it's cheap to go there and blah, blah, blah. And my dad would always say, just go to Mexico. It's the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, my, you know, like my dad growing up, he didn't see the resorts he didn't see the beach life or you know things like that he just doesn't want to um show us the humble beginnings but i i really don't yeah. know he, he never really wanted to show us like where he was from no he doesn't talk about it too much either like his past hmm. kind of like okay well i'm here now and you know this is what i want to focus yeah. on kind of thing Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I notice because um, where I work, we do encounter a lot of um, people who are migrating mm -hmm. from South America and Mexico. 
And there's a huge emphasis on assimilation too. So I do encounter, I mean, there's some people that like won't bother to learn English, but then there's some people that won't teach their kids Spanish mm -hmm. um, when they come to America because they like are so obsessed with assimilation. So that's a possibility with oh, my yeah. dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe one day you two could just go with your families. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd probably go to Cebu or something where, you know, the water is like... I was going to say, the diving there is great, Katie. <laughs> and, you know, the ocean life is like so colorful and vibrant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd probably want to do something like that. So probably nowhere near where my dad grew up. <laughs> yeah, I, I know for Nikki, it seemed like it was a, a little sense of importance, that trip. But what about like to the Philippines? Did you ever think that this was like important for you? Or it was like, no, we identify ourselves in, in SoCal. Or how did you feel about that? In the beginning, I think growing up in high school, I wanted to visit the Philippines and then uh, part of college. But now, like as an adult, you know, I'm a mom now. I, I don't have a strong urgency to visit the Philippines currently. I, I don't know. If I were to go, it would be more for a vacation and less of like, oh, I need to, you know, see my heritage, where I came from type deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's interesting because we do have this heritage, but I think Nikki and I just really identify ourselves as just American. American. <laughs> like, and mm -hmm. it's so interesting with being American, it can mean a lot of different things too. Like being an American in... Georgia or Tennessee is different from being an American in, in California, California yeah. especially Southern California specifically. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take that being American to the to your experience mm -hmm. oh, in your yeah. like, schools. Here it comes. Open the racist Oh, can. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, okay, for me, I, I definitely had a different experience than Katie. So we both went to the same uh, Christian private school in elementary, middle school, high school. And we were definitely the only uh, Asians there, I would say. Like there was a very, very small percent of us there. For me, I I know, um, you know, I knew I, I looked different and stuff like that. And I remember mostly in high school, that's where it hit me the hardest. Like, okay, I'm Asian, you know during that time you you want to get a boyfriend you know that's your train of thought and you know i didn't really attract anyone because all of the guys always went for the you know typical caucasian girl and um they had a very narrow mind when it came to asians so instead of having them talk behind my back about me type deal i kind of embraced the stereotypical asian and i just made it my own identity like growing up in high school i was all about asian pride asian nation you know like i'm the you know i'm the best i'm asian <laughs> I that like that. i remember that i was in a huge asian pride kind of phase because i was like okay well if i'm gonna be known mm -hmm. for being asian i'm gonna just take it and run with it so i was like I made sure I was smart. I made sure I was good at piano and I just kind of just, yeah. Like people knew me as being the Asian person at my school. I got voted <laughs> in the yearbook most likely to take over the world because of, <laughs> because of my Asian-ness. 
And you know what's so funny? I'm like actually so contrast to that. They called me coconut because I was brown on the outside and white on the inside. And um, I think I was just like very much into trying to grow my hair out, like how the girls were trying to, you know, look like them in a way. Wear the brands. And yeah, trying to, I mean, like we were very humble, so we couldn't wear like super, super nice clothes, but like, you know, I would have puka shells around my necklace and whatever else was in at that time. Mm -hmm. So that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. But for me, like, Kate, so Katie went to Calvin College and I went to um, a university in Riverside, California, Southern California, and it was there. It was a particular class. It I was also to. a private college. Yeah, private too, college, private college. And there was a particular class I went to. I don't want to give specifics, but I, I had to. I had to take this class for four years in order to get a scholarship. And I remember um, I oh. would, after this class, I would cry because... I remember I would wish that I was a white girl just because it was it was definitely a tough part of my life like I hated my teacher the teacher at that time he, I don't know if he he indirectly did it but he would put like all the minorities I remember we would all always be in the same corner and we would kind of joke about it like, oh, here we go. He puts all the Asians on this side and all the white people are in the middle. He would make us all look the same. He would force us to buy the same lipstick. We would have to grow. Um, we, he would want us to have long hair. He would want us to curl our hair, put like this lousy makeup on. Basically, he it was wanted like a us... traveling choir. So that's why. Yeah, basically, he wanted us to look white and you can always tell because he always favored the um the white students over like the minority students so i remember um i would be like after class i would be crying in the car and like i would tell christian who's my my husband now but i would be like telling him oh my gosh i wish i was white or like you know i hate this class i hated it so much that actually during choir tour i got sick and I didn't want to continue choir tours, so I made myself more sick, and I forced mm -hmm. myself to go to the hospital just so that I wouldn't have to continue. Aww. That's when mom and dad, you know, they went to Washington to get me because I didn't want to continue with them. What an ass. Yeah, and honest, and it's like he rubbed off on the students because. Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Hatred rubs off. I had like no friends in choir my first year and going on tour sucked so much. It was it was a horrible experience. And whenever I think about it on it or if anyone ever brings it up, I, I always tell them I hated it. Worst part of my life. I was it was like the only time in my life where I hated being Asian. Being who you are. Oh. But I mean, you know, now, now I'm, I'm all better. I'm actually, you know, proud of my identity. I quit that program. So. Well, I hope, I hope he's not there anymore. I hope he's fired. Oh yeah. He no longer works there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. By the way, is one of your babies crying? Yeah, that's my little baby. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> Aww. The, the real life of, of mommies, right? Yeah, she's the little diva. 
Aww. How old is Rosie now? She just turned two in April. Oh, she's so cute from the pictures. So, so Katie, your identity and, and your heritage stuff is a part of you, but there's more to you than that. It's not like the end all be all, right? Yeah. Um, you're a pediatric nurse at an awesome hospital. Aw. I work at Loma Linda Children's Hospital. Been a nurse since 2009, um, only in pediatrics, and I don't think I'll ever go into the adult world because adults are just nasty and gross. <laughs> Currently, I specifically work in what's called peri-anesthesia. So any kind of procedure that a, a child would go through, whether it's an MRI, a colonoscopy, or um, a craniectomy, like brain surgery, I would recover them after anesthesia. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, I wonder the same thing, especially yesterday. Yesterday was particularly crazy. I don't know, you just kind of draw strength from um, your coworkers. You know, I do believe in God and I'm a Christian, so I draw a lot of strength from him. And I don't know, I think like the more experiences and encounters you have with families and stuff, you just grow from it, you know? I've never claimed to be like an expert in anything because, you know, the next week here comes like this really weird, trauma coming in and you have all this stuff just to keep this kid alive you know mm -hmm. yeah I do encounter a lot of the a lot of disabled kids in all kinds of various forms genetic um, whether they acquired a disability I don't claim to be an expert in that either but I sure do have a lot of experience with them this is me clapping <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I remember um when we were in college there's this, like this cliche statement that like oh if you're benign like a Filipino woman then you know you become a nurse like how did you feel about that oh my gosh and and any hospital you worked at it is so true surprisingly and I know if it's <laughs> like the Filipino culture is very like warm you know like they're very hospitable they're very servant-like in attitude and um service and stuff and i don't know i i did find out that filipinos were one of the first asians they were one of the first ones to actually come to america to help work in these newly established hospitals and i don't know if you know anything about nursing but depending on where you work, like if you're in a med surge floor, it's it can be mundane in the sense that, you know, you're just giving meds, you're helping them clean up, mm -hmm. you know, it is a very servitude kind mm -hmm. of job. So um, I imagine a lot of people maybe back in those days would want to pawn that off I was going to say, do you know this line from Hamilton, the musical? And um, it's it's this one part where 
Hamilton is talking to Lafayette, the French general, and they're like, immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, is that so true, though. Yeah. Is that so true? I made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Good. That's good. <laughs> so, and that's at my hospital is actually not as high paying as other hospitals, say like Kaiser or things like that. So can you imagine if I put those hours in, in another hospital, then how astronomical that would be? Yeah. So Nikki, what about you? What do you do? So I am an elementary school teacher. I teach fourth grade in Corona in California. Wait, Corona is the name of the city? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Works in Corona. Yeah, <laughs> coronavirus. Gosh, how did you manage during this pandemic? Oh my goodness, they they made us jump through so many hoops. And so I teach third and fourth, so it's double the work. Not only my lesson planning for you know fourth graders, I also have to lesson plan fourth the like all all of third grade. So with Zoom. We, we did it, you know, all through virtual. I had the kids log in um, during their group time. Um, the easiest way for me to do it was to put them in small groups. So I have, what, like 30, 34 students, and I put them into groups of like seven or eight. They logged in during a certain time. Wait, that's small? I thought small would be like three or four. <laughs> I know, right? Whenever I tell people, they're like, you have 34 students? I'm like, yep, that's normal for me. <laughs> But it, it's it was definitely a tough year. Um, it it got easier towards the end uh, during March when we were able to bring half of the class back. So on Monday, Tuesday, I would teach eight students, and then Wednesday, Thursday, I would teach another group. While the remaining students, they decided to stay virtual. So I would basically teach um, uh, Zoom and in person at the same time. Mm, yeah. Wow. So hopefully, you know, next year we can be back in the classroom. I'm not a big fan of the Zoom <laughs> or, you know, teaching virtual because sometimes the students will have their camera off and they kind of just disappear or play a game. Yeah, they're doing something else. You can tell they're not paying attention. You'll call their name. They won't answer or they'll log off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be back next year. That's what I'm hoping. Wow. Oh my God. Look at the two of you being so amazing. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So, I mean, I, <laughs> Katie's now married to Charlie, Charlie Crosby. So it's Katie Crosby. And Nikki is married to Christian. And Charlie is white and Christian's black. So you guys have even like more amazingly mixed babies. Yes. Oh. And and our brother, Robbie, he's married to Laura, who's Hispanic, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hispanic. So we're, we're pretty much the United Nations here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that Rosie again? Yeah. <laughs> so how does that, like, how does that work? You guys just have a big party or something and everyone, you know, gets along or how, how does that work? Oh my gosh, our family gets along so well, like... Laura's like so nice and her family's really nice too. Like when we went to their wedding, um, which was in Cancun. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. It's great. I'm trying to like imagine 
if all of you have a huge family picture, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, and we do have some. Okay, you, you'll have to s send me some. Yeah, for sure. But so now that you have Logan, how does this multiracialness affect how you raise him? You know, I think, and maybe now that I'm thinking about it, it's just like very indirect. I try to instill certain um, values, I would say, from different cultures, you know, like um, Logan's actually in Taekwondo and they mm -hmm. teach him Korean there. Mm -hmm. So he knows, I think he knows how to count to five in Korean and he knows, you know, how to like greet his master and say thank you in Korean and stuff. And um, I speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. So living in Southern California, speaking Spanish is, gives you an edge in the job field. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I've been like, and actually he's going into a Spanish immersion school mm -hmm. this August. So um, I got him enrolled there. So I'm like super excited about that. But I think just nice. certain things like um, valuing family really try to kill him in that you know because whenever my family needs anything if nikki calls me robbie you know it's like we're there mm -hmm. it's like definitely counting each other um and so logan is growing up seeing that and hopefully learns that too you know mm -hmm. education and school i think more successful than i am even mm -hmm. i am trying to indoctrinate some yoga because i think it's gonna help his uh taekwondo <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean like you know i haven't taught him an instrument yet or anything but like if he keeps on going with taekwondo he could be a black belt by the time he's like nine years old wow <laughs> and i'm kind of like yeah i want him to do that so even though he doesn't want to go to the taekwondo practice guess who's dragging him in <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> mama yeah, just like how my mom did with our piano lessons or swimming practice and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is Nikki back at? Because I'd love to ask her the same question. That's a good question. You um, had to learn how to deal with textured hair for sure. Yeah. yeah, in the beginning, we were wondering how she was going to look. And she honestly, she's like the perfect blend of both of us. She, she definitely looks more, more Asian. Which is surprising, like her hair is brown. So that's where she got the German in her. It shows up in her hair. Her hair is very fine. It has a little curl to it. In regards to raising her, mostly like, I'm not putting a huge emphasis in like, you know, that she's Asian or that she's black. Um, we want, our focus for her is the church. We want her to see like her mom and dad serving in the church. We want her to grow up being involved in church serving you know the lord and doing that and honestly how we don't want to put a huge emphasis i feel that she's gonna find her identity you know as she grows up she's mixed with so many different races i can't put an importance on one so we kind of let her experience like all of them you know so mm -hmm. we'll take her to different asian events like you know, we have the Chinese New Year we'll take her to. Um, we let her watch uh, different shows. Christian's really into Korean drama, which is funny. <laughs> so, like, we watch a ton of that. We watch anime. We'll watch anything. So, 
as she grows up, she'll learn to find her identity, hopefully with those um, beliefs we instill in her uh, in a young age. And we'll see. <laughs> we'll see indeed. That's yeah. lovely. That was the perfect ending, literally. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Aww, yeah that's her right now. <laughs> and that was her unique story and experience. If you would like to share your voice with me, contact me at irenefren.com. That's A-I-R-I-N-E-F-F-E-R-I-N.com. Subscribe for more courageous voices from women all around Southeast Asia. Yeah, and like they chose me to be like the princess like of that dance that freshman year. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> like I've never seen the dance, but like I was able to dance, you know, but not funny. <laughs>